Welcome to Crime, Corruption, and Cocktails, the true crime podcast where we look at cases of corruption and negligence and examine their historical and cultural implications. Today, I'm drinking a pineapple daiquiri. What are you having, Jenny? I'm drinking a Mai Tai, and in this week's episode, we're continuing some spooky Halloween October episodes by exploring the mysterious Roswell incident. On June 14, 1947, rancher W.W. Mac Brazel and his son Vernon were driving across their ranch land about 80 miles northwest of Roswell, New Mexico in Lincoln County when they noticed a, quote, large area of bright wreckage made up of rubber strips, tin foil, and rather tough paper and sticks, end quote. Vernon and Mac's daughter later retrieved the debris to discard at another time. Thinking there might be a connection and guessing something might have crashed during a recent storm or possibly a flying disc, he brought some of the debris to the local sheriff in early July. The sheriff then called the Roswell Army Airfield, the RAAF. According to an interview with Brazel in the Roswell Morning Dispatch, Brazel told the reporter that Major Jesse Marcel and a man in plain clothes accompanied him home where they picked up the rest of the pieces of the quote-unquote disc and went to his home to try to reconstruct it. According to Brazel, they simply could not reconstruct it at all. They tried to make a kite out of it, but could not do that and could not find any way to put it back together so that it would fit. Then Major Marcel brought it to Roswell, and that was the last he heard of it until the story broke that he had found a flying disc. Brazel said he did not see it fall from the sky and did not see it before it was torn up, so he did not know the size or shape it might have been, but he thought it may have been about as large as a tabletop. The balloon, which held it up, if that was how it worked, must have been about 12 feet long, he felt, measuring the distance by the size of the room in which he sat. The rubber was smoky gray in color and scattered over an area about 200 yards in diameter. When the debris was gathered up, the tinfoil paper, tape, and sticks made a bundle about three feet long and seven or eight inches thick, while the rubber made a bundle about 18 or 20 inches long and eight inches thick. In all, he estimated the entire lot would have weighed maybe five pounds. There was no sign of any metal in the area, which might have been used for an engine, and no sign of any propellers of any kind although at least one paper fin had been glued onto some of the tinfoil. There were no words to be found anywhere on the instrument, although there were letters on some of the parts. Considerable scotch tape and some tape with flowers printed upon it had been used in the construction. No strings or wire were to be found, but there were some eyelets in the paper to indicate that some sort of attachment may have been used. Brazel said that he had previously found two weather balloons on the ranch, but that what he found this time did not in any way resemble either of these. After collecting the wreckage, the RAAF issued a press release that stated that a quote-unquote flying disc had been retrieved from a local ranch. On July 8th, the Roswell Daily Record printed a story titled RAAF Captures Flying Saucer on Ranch in Roswell Region. And this story included the statement, quote, the Intelligence Office of the 509th Bombardment Group 
at Roswell Army Airfield announced at noon today that the field has come into the possession of a flying saucer, end quote. Within 24 hours, the military retracted their story and said the saucer had actually been a weather balloon carrying a radar target and published photos of military personnel, including Major Marcel, posing with the debris. Marcel had also accompanied the Roswell debris from the ranch to the Fort Worth press conference. The Roswell Morning Dispatch noted the military's new claim in a report from July 9th entitled, Army debunks Roswell flying disc as world simmers with excitement. As time elapsed, public interest moved on from the Roswell incident. Then in 1978, ufologist Stanton Friedman interviewed Major Marcel. Marcel claimed that the quote-unquote weather balloon was a cover story, that the photo shoot was staged, and that everyone involved in the retrieval was clear the object had indeed been an extraterrestrial spaceship. He was interviewed by the National Enquirer tabloid and featured in the U.S. series In Search Of and has always denied the presence of alien bodies at Roswell. It's worth noting that Marcel has been accused of embellishing his military career and some have deemed him as not credible. Regardless, Marcel's claim would later be backed by retired Brigadier General Thomas DeBose. Public attention stayed on Roswell, and in 1980, Charles Blitz and William L. Moore published the Roswell Incident. In it, also alleged that the weather balloon story was a quote-unquote cover-up and that the actual debris Marcel can be seen posing with in a photo was replaced with debris from a weather device. They argued that the original debris, which they believe was from a crash-flying saucer, had been flown to Wright Field near Dayton, Ohio. They also accused the military of attempting to, quote, discredit and counteract the growing hysteria towards flying saucers, end quote. The book included accounts from Brussels' son, Marcel, and Brussels' neighbor. It was also the first book to introduce the controversial secondhand stories of civil engineer Grady Barney Barnett and a group of archaeology students from an unidentified university encountering wreckage and quote-unquote alien bodies while on the plains of San Augustine before being escorted away by the army. The book united conspiracy theories and hoaxes. In 1984, documents surfaced that were alleged to be classified memos concerning Majestic 12, a secret operation launched by President Harry S. Truman to handle the Roswell incident. However, these documents were later determined to be fake and possibly part of a hoax to get further information from government officials. No evidence was found to support the existence of Majestic 12. Glenn Dennis, a local mortician, made the first claim of alien bodies for the Roswell crash on August 5th, 1989, in an interview with Stanton Friedman and was first made public in mid-1991 in the Kevin Randall and Don Schmidt book, quote-unquote, UFO crash at Roswell. According to Dennis, a nurse friend 
from the RAAFB hospital told him that she had participated in the autopsy of three strange alien creatures and she gave him sketches of the creatures after getting a quote-unquote sacred oath from him to keep it secret. It's important to note that many researchers do not view Dennis's testimony as reliable. In 1995, an alien autopsy film purported to show the dissection of an alien corpse from the Roswell incident. Though the 19-minute video was fake, it drew international attention. A number of retired military personnel who'd been based at Roswell corroborated some elements of the crash spacecraft narrative and added their own details. Many have also alleged that the wreckage was taken to Area 51, where engineers attempted to reverse engineer the craft. Skeptics argued that they were simply telling the researchers what they wanted to hear, writing themselves into the story either as a prank or because they were seeking attention. The existence of so many different accounts led to a rift among UFOologists about the events at Roswell. It later turned out that Berlitz and Moore were right about at least one thing, that the government's claim that a weather balloon crashed at Roswell was not true. In 1994, the Air Force admitted that the recovered material was in reality from a U.S. spy balloon that had been tracked near Corona, New Mexico. The device, which was part of Project Mogul, was a connected string of high-altitude balloons equipped with microphones and was designed to float furtively over the USSR, detecting sound waves at a stealth distance. These balloons would monitor the Soviet government's attempts at testing their own atomic bomb. Because Project Mogul was a covert operation, the new report claimed a false explanation of the crash was necessary to prevent giving away details of their spy work. In 1997, a definitive Air Force report titled The Roswell Report Case Closed theorized that stories of alien bodies may have come from civilian witnesses who saw parachute crash test dummies, a severely injured airman parachutist, and charred bodies from an airplane crash during the 1950s. The report proposed that the witnesses quote-unquote consolidated the separate events, the Project Mogul materials, the crash test dummies, the airman, and the charred bodies and their memories. For many ufologists, however, these explanations were seen as part of a continued cover-up by the U.S. government. Donald Schmidt, a UFO researcher who has spent nearly three decades investigating the Roswell incident and is the co-founder of the International UFO Museum and Research Center in Roswell, says that the military's explanation makes little sense. The quote-unquote flying saucer story, he contends, was so ostentatious that it was bound to draw attention to the area with its sensitive military operations at the time. Doing so would seem highly counter to the interests of the War Department. Many wanted to know why the Air Force waited so long to reveal the existence of such a quote-unquote harmless operation. The city of Roswell is forever intertwined with UFOs and aliens. The incident became a significant part of the city's history and economy. In 1992, the International UFO Museum and Research Center, co-founded by Glenn Dennis, opened up, and since 1996, Roswell has been the site of an annual UFO festival. 
There's even a flying saucer inspired McDonald's, alien themed streetlights, and an art installation of an extraterrestrial family stranded in a broken down UFO on the side of State Route 285. Roswell is deeply ingrained in pop culture, having been mentioned in dozens of movies and TV shows. Even former President Obama acknowledged and joked about the incident on a trip to Roswell. B.D. Gildenberg has called the Roswell incident, quote, the world's most famous, most extensively investigated, and most thoroughly debunked UFO claim, end quote. Results of a Fairly Dickinson University poll released in 2022 showed more than one-third of Americans think it's quote-unquote plausible that extraterrestrials crash-landed at Roswell, New Mexico in 1947. Del, what do you think about the Roswell incident? What do you think this debris was from? So I do think that it was a type of spy machine. While I do believe that aliens are likely out in the universe, I don't know if they crashed at Roswell in 1947. I do think that it's a situation where because the government decided to lie first and then cover up that lie and then lie some more, you know, people were able to blow the situation out of proportion. I do think it's interesting that how the town kind of embraced the image. I think that's really cool of them. Who would know about the city of Roswell if it wasn't for this incident, right? So I do think that that's really nice. And it seems like even national businesses um, that are located in Roswell is making sure that they can, you know, increase the city's economy and make it a tourist attraction. I do think that when it comes to all the different investigators, I definitely think they're doing it in earnest. And I think they truly believe something's out there, although I think they're mistaken. Though I think in recent times, there have been people doing more and more hoax-type videos and hoax-type photos, such as, you know, the almost 20-minute movie that someone created that was fake. I think as technology and as AI develops, we might see that even more. What are your thoughts on it? I do agree. Although I do believe in aliens, I don't know if Roswell was a crash landing, like you said. To me, what was found seems so low-tech. Like, would aliens really be using tinfoil, rubber, and lots of tape to construct some kind of vehicle? I wouldn't think so. I mean, maybe you could argue like something happened to the ship and that was all they had around to fix it. I don't know. It just doesn't make the most sense. What I do think is weird, though, is why, if it was from Project Mogul, why would they ever say that it was a disc, a flying disc? And I know that that is kind of vague, but people were reporting lots of sightings of UFOs at this time or flying saucers, flying discs. We'll talk about that a little more in a second. But what that person said is true. That I would think would be bound to draw more attention to the area and what was going on than 
from the start saying it was a weather balloon. That I don't understand. And I honestly almost wonder if someone was like, haha, yeah, we'll tell them it was a flying saucer. And someone printed it anyway, or like didn't understand it was a joke or something. It just, I don't know, that's bizarre to me. And like we said that Donald Schmidt had said, if it's so harmless, why did it take so long to tell the public about? And I understand that the Cold War did last like into the 90s. So maybe that had something to do with it. But also, is Project Mogul part of something even bigger? Or is maybe that a front for something that isn't harmless? I don't know. The whole thing I do think is still bizarre, but I feel like I can confidently say it wasn't a UFO. Now, did other UFOs maybe come into that area? Possibly based off some of this other stuff. The story about like the bodies, though, I don't know if I believe that, especially in this situation. Glenn Dennis, he did take a very long time to come forward, and I think he has changed his story several times, too. Maybe you can say like some of what he said is true, but then like some of it has been like covered up too by the government, whoever. I don't know. I love that Roswell has taken this and ran with it because you're exactly right, Del. Who would ever be talking about this little New Mexico town if this hadn't happened? Nobody. I really want to go to Roswell. I really want to go to the UFO festival. I think it seems like a lot of fun. I follow the UFO museum on Instagram. I think that's a lot of fun too. I will definitely be visiting when I get to go. The McDonald's too. I love seeing a sense of humor about something like that. I think it's a lot of fun and it was a smart move for them to do. So let's get into a little bit of the culture at the time of Roswell and after and some more rumors around Roswell. On June 21st, 1947, Navy seaman Harold Dahl claimed to have seen six unidentified flying objects in the sky near Maury Island in Washington State's Puget Sound. The next morning, Dahl said he was sought out and debriefed by quote unquote men in black. Days later, on June 25, 1947, when a civilian pilot named Kenneth Arnold reported seeing several objects while flying near Mount Rainier, Washington. His descriptions of the objects that flew, quote-unquote, like geese and moved, quote, like a saucer would if you skipped it across the water, end quote, began the term flying saucers. And thus the age of the UFO was born. Many newspapers in the country picked up the story from the wire services and the publicity gave birth to a rash of sightings that kept the papers and the public fascinated throughout that summer and to this day. Since the Cold War had begun that same year, many also believed these mysterious objects to be part of secret military projects. Others thought they were hoaxes or some type of natural phenomenon, while some believed the crafts were piloted by aliens. Between 1947 and 1949, 12,000 UFO sightings were reported to Project Blue Book. Project Blue Book was a systematic study of unidentified flying objects by the United States Air Force. 
from March 1952 to its termination on December 17, 1969. Project Blue Book had two goals, to determine if UFOs were a threat to national security and to scientifically analyze UFO-related data. The project headquarters at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base in Ohio, the same base that Bert Slitz and Moore allege that the Roswell debris was sent to. In 1950, Frank Scully, a reporter for Variety, Behind the Flying Saucer, a book that detailed alien encounters from the Pacific Northwest to the towns of Aztec and Farmington, New Mexico, where aliens were now said to be landing their aircrafts in people's backyards. Before long, any secret government property from nuclear sites to engineering locations was suspected to house deceased or imprisoned aliens. This was most evident at Area 51, an off-limits airstrip, an aircraft engineering and development facility inside the Nevada test site, about 90 minutes north of Las Vegas. It was rumored that aliens from the Roswell spacecraft and other crashed ships were either being autopsied or slid into cylindrical glass tanks containing gel-like preservatives. The government wasn't helping to quell speculation either. At their most secretive sites, they posted large, unambiguous, no-trespassing signs, often with a reminder to those who entered illegally that use of deadly force is authorized. The 1947 craze has long been of interest to scholars of folklore studies. Professor David J. Halpern argues that, quote, the power and fascination of the UFO has nothing to do with space travel or life on other planets. It's about us, our longings and terrors, end quote. A survey from the Pew Research Center showed that about two-thirds of Americans say their best guess is that intelligent life exists on other planets. When asked to think about U.S. national security, most Americans, around 87%, say that UFOs are not a threat at all or a minor threat. Del, any comments or thoughts on any of this? Yeah, I definitely agree that intelligent life is on other planets and it likely doesn't pose any significant like national security harms. But we know that if it were to do that, that the government already has plans to deal with them, which is really funny because on one end they say, well, we don't believe it exists. But on the other end, you know, each military apparatus has a way to deal with alien invasion. So I think it's really funny that they have that back and forth. They're definitely not helping themselves out by how secretive they are. I definitely know they have to do that because you need to keep things confidential and away from the spies of foreign nations. But yeah, you already have a site that people think are conspiracy riddled. Adding signs that we're going to shoot you on site is really not the best way of dissuading people. And I love the inclusion of Men in Black. It's one of my favorite movies. And so while I don't know if I necessarily believe him, I have seen the videos of supposed men in Black people. So who knows what's true about that? What are your thoughts? Like I said, I definitely believe in some kind of extraterrestrial life. I just think it's interesting to talk about. And I think it's kind of fun to hear what other people's theories are. Like, 
I guess everyone put on your tinfoil hat, but I know some people say like aliens could be interdimensional beings. People say it's like humans from the future. Some people even think they're like demons or angels. I just think it's interesting to talk about. And to me, there's no way out of like the thousands of galaxies and whatnot that are out there like how can we be the only thing that has some type of intelligent life i don't know if it's like little green men or like the grays which is what you most often see and hear about but i think it's fun to talk about i don't know what kind of threat it poses or they pose i'm sure just like humans like maybe some are more aggressive and some are peaceful but I think in some instances of like UFO encounters or alien encounters that I've heard of, people, of course, some people are scared. Some people have like a sense of danger, but some people have a sense of like the aliens are telling us to respect the earth and to protect the earth. So like there's some theories that come from that too. If you're interested, I would say look into the aerial school incident. There was a school in an African country and the kids were out at recess and many of them said they saw an alien. It's a really interesting story. Also talking about Area 51, if you're interested in that, Bob Lazar is not like a whistleblower, but he is a scientist that said he saw some shit at Area 51. So I think there might be a documentary on him. I haven't seen it, but like I said, I think it's interesting and fun to think about all this kind of stuff. And like you said, Del, they're not doing themselves any favors by having this stuff up there. And I agree. I don't think the public needs to know everything that's going on. But we need some transparency, which it will lead us into the recent hearing that happened in the U.S., which was very wild, I think. So in July 2023, a House Oversight Subcommittee held a hearing on UFOs, officially known as Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon or UAPs. And her testimony about unexplained object sightings and government possession of quote-unquote non-human biological matter from three former military officials. Lawmakers on the committee, baffled by some of the testimony, repeatedly noted that UAP sightings are an issue of bipartisan concern and raise national security questions. Representative Robert Garcia said, quote, UAPs, whatever they may be, may pose a serious threat to our military or civilian aircraft, and that must be understood, end quote. David Grush, a former U.S. intelligence official, told the panel that he is, quote unquote, absolutely certain that the federal government is in possession of UAPs, citing interviews he said he conducted with 40 witnesses over a four-year period. In 2019, he was asked to lead the Defense Department's efforts to analyze reported UAP sightings and was informed of a quote-unquote multi-decade Pentagon program that endeavored to collect and reconstruct crashed UAPs. Grush claimed that the effort is, quote unquote, above congressional oversight and bankrolled by a, quote unquote, misappropriation of funds. The Pentagon has denied Grush's allegation of a cover up. Grush, who stressed that he has not personally spotted a UAP, told the panel that he knows of 
quote unquote, multiple colleagues who were injured by UAPs. He also said he has interviewed individuals who have recovered, quote unquote, non-human biologics from crashed UAPs. He went on to say he prefers the term non-human to alien or extraterrestrial. Garash said he became a government whistleblower after his discovery and has faced retaliation for coming forward. He declined to be more specific about the retaliatory tactics, citing an ongoing investigation. He said, quote, it was very brutal and very unfortunate. Some of the tactics they used to hurt me both professionally and personally, end quote. He also made it known that he, quote, needed to be careful what he said, end quote because of the open whistleblower reprisal investigation. Ryan Graves, a former Navy pilot and current executive director of Americans for Safe Aerospace, told the panel that stigma, quote-unquote, silences pilots who fear, quote-unquote, professional repercussions, which he said is, quote, compounded by recent government claims questioning the credibility of eyewitness testimony, end quote. David Fravor, a former Navy commander, said he and three fellow military pilots spotted a white tic-tac-shaped object in 2004 hovering below their jets and just above the Pacific Ocean. As he descended to inspect the sighting, he claimed the unidentified aircraft, which he said bore no visible rotors, wings, or exhausts, began to ascend and approach his fighter jet. He claimed that the UAP then vanished, only to reappear a few seconds later, but this time it was spotted 60 miles away. Faber told the committee that the technology he and his team encountered defies logical explanation. The need for Pentagon transparency was stressed many times during the hearing. Del, what are your thoughts on this? I definitely think they're credible, and I think that... People are questioning it because they don't believe in aliens in general. And so any evidence that supports it, they're going to automatically dismiss. I think that what Grush is saying is definitely really interesting. And of course, the Pentagon is going to deny his allegations of cover up. It's not like they're all of a sudden going to be honest about what's going on. And I think... Ryan Graves is spot on when he says that the stigma, the, oh, you're a conspiracy theorist when it comes to alien belief, is definitely the reason why not as many pilots, who are probably the people most likely to have seen them, are not coming forward in greater numbers. What are your thoughts? I definitely think that these men are credible, too. Some of these They're like former high-ranking officials, some very well respected with awards. Grush, for example, he's got a a big, like, respected lawyer backing him in this whistleblower investigation. I do believe what he's saying. I was kind of surprised to see the public's or some people's reaction being like, oh, I don't believe him or, oh, I think he the Pentagon or whoever just put him out there to be like the fall guy in a way. But like we said, he's very credible. They're not just people that came out of nowhere and got this hearing. And I was thinking recently, I wonder if in a way he came forward maybe to protect himself a little more because if he was just like a no-name guy 
and I didn't include this in here, but he alleges that people have been killed. Other officials have been killed because of this UAP information by people like within the government. So I think maybe he thought he would have been one of those people killed and coming forward, you know, he's in the public spotlight now. Maybe this is a a little bit of added protection in a way because people, if something were to happen to him, red flags would be raised. People would be questioning that. And of course you can say like, well, a cover up could easily happen with that too. But I don't know. Like, I think it gives him some time. And frankly, like I'm a little worried for him in the future because what he's doing, like he's really putting himself on the line. All of these men are. And I also think they don't really have like anything to lose. And I really enjoyed hearing what they had to say and learning more about the situation. Because when it comes down to it, Graves and Fravor were asking for like a centralized way to report these sightings for civilians and military personnel, because there's not a way to do that now. And I think when that happens, when people don't know what to do, there is a threat to national security because people don't know what they're seeing, what's going on. And Fravor did go on to say he thought it was there was an issue with national security too with UAPs because we don't understand how this technology works. Like you can find this Tic Tac video online. It got leaked quite a few years ago. What he saw on that day is not explainable by like what we know, like he said. And because of that, like these things can zip in and out in a second who knows, possibly destroy like a whole city or something and then just be gone and we would be left to deal with it. So from that standpoint, absolutely, there's like a threat for national security. But if people do have an idea of what this is, then the public needs to know about it. I think that there is a right to transparency that we have. And Ryan Graves talking about like the commercial pilots too, they need to know what's happening. They're reporting seeing these UAPs they don't know what to do and they're not trained as well on it as people within the military, he says. So it is a safety issue for that's bringing civilians into it now. Another big kind of thing I wanted to mention too, with that misappropriation of funds that David Grush mentioned is that there are secret programs, essentially what he is saying is that there are secret programs being funded with taxpayer money and that private companies are involved and Congress like doesn't know about it. It's hidden from them. So that's like a mind blowing thing to think about. And I mean, I believe that really, I believe there's a lot more than meets the eye I'm glad people are talking about like aliens and UFOs, UAPs more. And I'm really curious as to like where all of this is going to go, because I don't think it's going to stop here. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, we've seen this in multiple different government programs, especially with the CIA, where they basically have their own, you know, on the side piggy bank, which they use to fund different things. So it wouldn't surprise me if the military have something like that. God knows we send them enough money. Yeah, it's our right to know where that's going. I mean, isn't that like kind of the point of the government too, for like us to elect our officials and to pick people that we want to make certain changes with our funds? I don't know. 
Right, no, I definitely agree with you. And it's just the thing of, I haven't really heard of a great reason why they would keep this information from us. You know, it just doesn't make any sense. Just come out and be honest. If there was a legitimate reason that people could think of, I think people would be less harsh on them. But the fact that they keep lying, like I said before, the fact that if anything, it would spur up more scientific interest in the public if we knew that something like this was out there. People would be more curious. You know, STEM would get a boost. But right now, because of the military's response, aliens are subjected to the kind of eye roll and sucking up teeth that goes with conspiracies where it really is just trying to engage in scientific exploration into the cosmos. Yeah, that's a really good point. I didn't even think people probably would be more interested in STEM. And I don't know, I was just imagining like having it an extraterrestrial as a like a teacher or something for STEM. So you can learn to like, you know, reverse engineer like a hovercraft or something crazy. I don't know. I hope that's where we're going in the future. I would love to see it. That wraps up this week's case. Thank you for listening. Let us know in the comments what you think about Roswell. You can read more about this case and how to support us in the links below. As always, stay safe.